What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. And of course, we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best and before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric from Huntsville, Alabama, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight? Hey, Corey, thanks a lot, man. Man, I got a brother here that I'm surprised. Well, let me back up. You know, when we do these spotlights, I look at as Black history is really celebrated, or should be celebrated, starting on January 1st and end on December 31st, because there's a lot of brothers that we don't know about and I enjoy doing this because I find a lot of different things that, or research a lot of people who I didn't even know about. And you know, a lot of people know, so I like bringing that to attention. So this next brother I'm gonna bring, his name is Charles Jackson French. And I'm surprised they haven't done a movie or more people know about him. But anyway, Charles Jackson French, he was a Navy sailor. And I'm gonna say, you know what? This brother was a real life Captain America. Now check this out. In 1941, Charles Jackson, French, he enlisted in the Navy after the bombing that happened in Pearl Harbor that set sail. And he sailed on this racist, segregated ship called the USS Gregory, right? Now, check this out. The ship sank during a battle in World War II. And Charles, again, he's on a segregated ship, swung into action and jumped in the water, braving this shark infested water for six hours. This brother towed a raft with 15 wounded other Navy seamen to safety. You hear this? In the water for six hours. Now, of course, this got a lot of, he got a lot of accolades, a lot of celebrations. He was celebrating the newspaper and other local affiliates uh, honor his name, but for this heroic deed they did, but it took the Navy, check this out, 80 years 80 years to posthumously honor him with a medal to his family. And also the Navy, they also did little things for him too. They gave him, they named a training pool in his honor for this. But check this out. This is a real life Captain America. I'm surprised they hadn't done any kind of movies or we don't know anything about this brother. That's my spotlight for today. Charles Jackson French, a real life Captain America. Now, Corey, Back to you, brother. Mm, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling that one today, man. And I can't wait to introduce today's guest, man. We got Kwame Harris on here. This brother's the author of Pushing the Generations Forward. You know, in my intro, I said we talk about generational wealth. We talk about generational poverty. But today's show, we specifically are going to talk about the mindset to alleviate these generational curses. I'm tired of it going, every generation comes up, it's the same old thing. This brother was the recipient of the Utah Business Magazine's top 20 in their 20s. This was back in 2018. When we're talking about what this brother's accomplished, this brother's worked with at-risk youth. We're talking about outreach, gang and drug prevention. This brother's also a mentor. So without further ado, I'll let him give y'all the rest of his credentials. Kwame Harris, brother, welcome to Black Men Sundays. How you doing? What up, fellas? What up, what up, what up? Man, I'm happy to be here, y'all. I didn't. I'm learning about Charles Jackson. I'm like, dang, I'm, I didn't do some research or something. Like, that's that's dope. 80 years though, 
80 years, man. 80 years. That would trip me out, man. I mean, think about it. He's on this boat with all these other racist people who hate him to the to the core. And he risked his life for six hours in that cold and sharp of water, pulling huh. a raft, helping him huh. to shoot. Man, I couldn't huh. help him. Man, that's something else. I was astonished by that, man. I'm definitely going to do some research, man. And he yeah. definitely... Uh, no pun intended, but he definitely pushed the generations forward. So with, with, with you know, with his accomplishments and what he's doing, yeah, y'all. Thanks, thanks for having me, y'all. Um, so glad to be here on this Black Man Sunday. Um, again, uh, like Corey said, my name is Kwame Harris, y'all. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. You know, talk about some of my accolades, but I'm just here just to have a good time, man. I'm here to spread the message um, of, of what I'm about and and what I've been about uh, my entire life and working in human services, working in youth development. You know, just trying to, you know trying to make it better for the next generation. Um, and so that's what my life has been about. That's what my, you know, my drive has been about. That's how, you know, how I navigate life and everything else. And so I'm glad to be here, man. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this conversation. That's for sure. But let's go on and get this conversation started again. Kwame and Harris, welcome to Black Men Sundays. My first question for you is how do we shift our mindset? You know, a lot of times we, like I said, we talk about generational wealth. We talk about uh, generational poverty. We talk about generational curses. How do we stop passing that down from generation to generation? Because a lot of times I talk to kids and then I see those kids 10, 15 years later and they're either collecting debt from a family member or they're just mm -hmm. following down the same trap, if you will. So how do we stop that? That's a great question, man. I, I think for the most part is I call it having tough talks with ourselves, right? And for me, how I was able to really recognize and really think about the concept of pushing, pushing generations forward. But I had to realize and, and have a tough talk with myself and say, all right, I look down my family line. No one's ever, there's no one in my family that does ever graduate college, let alone step foot on a college campus. Um, there's no one in my family that, that can pass down, you know, wealth, can pass down property, none of those things. Um, and, and all I'm seeing in my family is alcoholism, abuse of alcohol, abuse of drugs, trauma, those generational curses, those... Um, you know, the victim mentality, all those things like this, it's all, that's all I saw in my family. And, and I was like, you know what? It has to stop with me. I don't want to go down that path of abusing alcohol. I don't want to go down that path of living in poverty my entire life. I don't want to go down that path of allowing trauma to plague me, my children. And then they're, and then trauma to plague their children. Like, and it's like, it, it has to stop. The answer to your question is, is having tough talks with ourselves and really realizing that something and somebody has to change this and that somebody starts with you. You got to be able to, to to have that conversation with yourself because if you allow those things to continue on, it's going to continue affecting your children, right? It's going to continue affecting their children. And so for me, the biggest thing is how we stop that is become aware of it and know that it has to start with me. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what age, you know, where you are in your life. I don't care how many mistakes that you've made. Um, you know, I don't, you know, people may have hurt you. You may have been in the past, just gone through a lot and that's okay. Right. And, 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 and I get that. I understand that, that it hurts and life is tough, but it has to stop with you. And you got to take, and you got to realize that and look at, by looking at your circumstances where you are right now and evaluate, Hey, I gotta do something different. Mm, great, great answer, man. And I, I just want to, you know, when I talk to, uh, my grandmother, she would always say, watch, watch that boy you plan with or watch that girl. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And when I think about that, I think of in families, you know, it seems like if uh, the children are raised in poverty and then they're able to sustain a job, 
They're not mm-hmm. reaching for the stars because they know, well, listen, I'm comfortable making X amount of dollars. If I don't make another 20, 30,000 more than this, I'm comfortable living that life. Mm-hmm. So going back to the apple falling from the tree, how do we establish the mindset? How do we change this mindset to achieve generational wealth? I think for, for me is in, in working with young people and working with and working in human services, the first step is believing that you can. Like believing that that no matter what I, I'm going through, I can actually achieve the wealth that I need to push the generations forward. Like a lot of times you're going to you go into these communities, you go into like like you said, Corey, like I'm happy. As long as I got a roof on my head and I can survive enough, I'm good. But is it is it so far fetched that we can move from a life of surviving to a life of thriving? How can we take on that mentality? What what does that even look like for some of our people? Like what is like how, what, what is thriving? What I, am I thriving? I can go cast a check and go get this, go get that. No, like because again, we want to be able to pass down generational wealth. We want to be able to put a wealth system in place for our family line that our children's children will benefit and reap from from the from the choices and and decisions that we made in life. And then we understand we understand that the brain impacts trauma, and we understand that because of the brain impacts trauma, we understand that puts a lot of us in survival mode. And a lot of times in our communities, we've experienced that trauma, right? And then because of that trauma, we're in survival mode. But we have to start shifting our thinking that, hey, I'm, I don't have to be in survival mode. Like, I can move from that life of just surviving to a life of thriving. And I can do that by making the right decisions, by deciding to go uh, and, and further my career, by deciding to go to start that business. That That's the mentality you got to have. And I, I, I do, I, I really think, that when you think about thriving, you think about how can I sustain past just my right now? Like, how can I sustain past just saving uh, uh, saving pennies to actually saving dollars? So let's talk about your book, Pushing the Generations Forward. I mean, I feel like we're kind of talking about it, but just, yeah. um, you know, talk to us about the impetus of the book and, you know, why did you feel the need to write this? That's a question I, I get asked a lot too as well, because when I think about, you know, pushing generations forward, like it started at eight years old, man. Like think about, think about that. At eight years old, I decided that I was going to take on this mentality. Now at eight years old, I didn't know what I was really saying, but I knew that I knew based on what I saw in my family, I knew based on living in poverty and I know, and I knew based on the trauma that I had experienced in my siblings and that we experienced that. It's gonna be, I gotta do something different. Like, you know, I was growing up seeing drug addicts, growing up seeing, you know, like what the effects of drugs would do to do to a person. I was like, I can't do that. I, I, at eight years old, I was like, it hurts too much and it's too much. And so I decided in that moment that I was gonna figure out ways to push the generations forward. Now, my initial way was football, but I didn't make it past division three <laughs> football and I didn't start. So football wasn't it. Um, but I knew whatever I would do, I would make sure that I would go all out for it so that I can be successful, so that I can find a way to build generational wealth, so that I can find a way so that my children will never have to worry about what I had to worry about growing up. And so I found that way through education. And, and, and through education, I became the first generation college student. Through education, I became a first generation professional. Uh, through education, I was able to move into um, you know, places and, and different areas where I am allowed to build that generational wealth. Now, the the main point of that is, I think for me, is it all started at eight years old. 
because I wanted I wanted something different from my life. And so and the part of part of what the book talks about is, you know, no matter who you are, where you are and what you've gone through, you got to find a way to make it better for the next generation. Your choices, even at a young age, will affect the next generation. And how can you ensure that you're making the right choices so that your children's children will never have to worry about the things that you have to worry about? Your children's children will, will never have to worry about poverty. Your children's children will never have to worry about trauma. They would never have to worry about, you know, those generational curses that have plagued your family line for years. That mentality is the reason why I wrote the book, the book Pushing Generations Forward. Because I think a lot of times we all, when we, when we go through life, and through experiences, we, we really, we lack those purposes. We lack purpose. And because we lack purpose, like our, what we're doing and, and why we're, and why we're doing it gets unclear. And so pushing directions forward allows us to understand that, Hey, everything you're doing, despite what you've gone through is for the next generation. Every move I make is for the next generation. You know, getting a master's degree wasn't for me. It was for, the, it was for my children's children. You know, being a first generation professional wasn't for me, it's for my children's children, right? And so every move I make and everything I've I've tried to do has been attributed to my children. And I don't even have children yet. And so, and that's what I mean by like, that's the mentality you gotta, you gotta develop early on or wherever you are so that you can make sure that you're doing it for those that will come after you. Because that's what life is all about, in my opinion. All because I can't take wealth with me. I can't take... You know, the lessons that you learn, I can't take none of those things with me. All I can do is just pass it down. How how great would it be if my children have a different a different start than what I did? What more can they achieve? You know? And so, you know, how you know, if I can be able to if I can pass down some type of capital or a multifamily home property, if I can pass those things down, that's a that's a different start than what I had. And I push generations forward because of that. Because I talk to a lot of brothers that say, listen, man, I want to push the generation forward. I want to uh, pass down generational wealth. But listen, man, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. As inflation goes up, my paycheck's not going up. I don't own a business. I've been on my job for X amount of years. But how yeah. can you pass down generational wealth if you're in debt and you're struggling? I think about it twofold. Like the truth of the matter is there, there's a lot of different ways that you want to pass push your push generations forward. And wealth is a big one, right? Especially in the black community, right? I, one of my biggest fears, one of my biggest fears, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you all can, you all understand why this is a fear, but I don't want to go fund me account for my funeral. And so like, I want to be able to have my children in a position that when they do bury me, they'll have more than enough to bury me, but also more, um, you know, to divide up and, and do what they need to do with. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, Corey, uh, not everyone's going to push, push the generations forward with wealth. Right. It's just, you know, some people will never be able to see it that way. And so I, I put the importance on and I talk about this in the book. I put the importance on if you can't pass it down through wealth, pass it down through knowledge. Right. How can I set my young my child up? How can I set that young person up so they can receive the education they need to be able to get to what they need to get to when it comes to wealth? Right. Knowledge is always free. YouTube is free. You know, uh, uh, Khan Academy is free, right? Up to a certain extent, but I think for the most part, it's free. And so how can I help educate them so that they can have the education they need to, to obtain the wealth that they need? And so I think that's for me, you can pass, you can push the generations forward, push the generations forward in a couple of ways, right? But wealth is important. And we want to give our young people and we want to give our, our kids, especially our black kids, an opportunity to, to do something different other than what they've seen in their family line. So outside of the stock market, because obviously it's very attractive right now with the apps and things. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, how can we convince high school 
um, students that generational wealth is important because a lot of them say, listen, I have time. I'm not even a high school graduate yet. Why should I care about generational wealth now? I think it's hard because I think they should start teaching financial education in middle school, maybe in, in some forms in elementary school as well. How do we help our young people have that conversation? This is going. This is this isn't going to be taboo. What I'm about to say, so so bear with me. I think we have to start with the parents because I think all learning is understanding relationships, and no significant learning can happen without a significant relationship. And so the re one of the one of the reasons why when we when we talk about the, the financial literacy and it falls flat on especially on our communities is because that we don't have a, a really good relationship with it because maybe we haven't seen it. And so when, when we get to that foreign language, when we get to that foreign thinking. It, be, it becomes scary and becomes scary. And what do we do when things become scary? We tend to shy away from it. So I think when we, when we talk about financial literacy and we talk about trying to develop the mindset in our young people, I think it has to be in, in tandem with the families, with the parents. How can we create a curriculum or create a, a, a source of community around financial literacy within the homes, within, with, with the parents and also with the young people? Because if they can see their parents talk about it in relation to in relationship to how they navigate life, then that because of that relationship, they'll have a better relationship with 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 finances. I think the angle that we should take is being realistic and saying, okay, well, let's bring your parents, let's bring your parents in on this. Well, what does this make you think when you see this? And if there are and if they're close with their parents, that's that's gonna uh, set a trigger off in their head of like, okay, this is something important. And so therefore, if it's something important, I can relate to it by the conversations I'm having with my parent. Cause we can come in like we, you know, we, you know, being youth development, I understand that I'm only powerful um, when I have a relationship. And a lot of times the closest, the person that's closest to this young person that we're trying to help is the parents or the guardians. And so how can we include them in, the, in, in, in this conversation and help empower them as well? Cause again, a lot of times they're coming in survival mode and survival mode doesn't necessarily, doesn't have a forward thinking progress to it. And so how do we bring them out of survival mode to help bring their kids out of survival mode as well? Because it becomes a way of life. Pushing the generations forward. I know we're going to have to read the book, but just give us one tip on pushing a generation forward. Because I feel like a lot of people, when we talk about generational wealth, everything is, it's either stocks, it's either real estate, yeah. um, but no one really talks about the mindset. So yeah. um, if you don't mind talking about that before I let the brother speak. You know, I used to think growing up that, Generational wealth is, is should be as easy as winning the lottery. It's not. It's not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna one day just it all happens and and there you go and you have generational wealth. And so one of the lessons that I that I bring out in the book, but also want to bring out here is this: it's gonna be hard. It's, I mean, it's a simple lesson, but you know, it, it's gonna be something that you're gonna have to work for. Something that you may you may have to work maybe two or three jobs to try to obtain, right? But it's necessary. Getting uncomfortable is necessary when you're, when you're trying to build generational wealth. Um, you know, I think about myself, you know, even in college, I had two or three jobs. I didn't want to spend all that money uh, in loans. And so I made sure that I worked two or three jobs to, to start paying back some of those things so that I'm in a better financial position. But it was hard. I slept in my car because I couldn't afford to sleep in a dorm. Cool. I'll sleep in my car. So one semester I slept in my car. Um, you know, I, I had to go take a, take a bath at a, at a Dollar General or a truck stop just so that I can, you know, I can go to work feel, uh, smelling good and feeling fresh. But there's sacrifices to building generational wealth. And because what it looks like right now won't be what it will, will look like in the future. And so that journey is hard and you got to be okay with that. Be okay with being the first person to do this in your family. Be, the, be okay with being the first millionaire in your family. 
It's going to happen. It's going to come, but it's a part of the process. And you got to be okay with just the struggle because it's going to be a struggle, but it's necessary for your children's children. It's necessary to build generational wealth. It's necessary to push the generations forward. This is Kalali uh, out of Maryland. You know, there's a lot of conversation among our youth right now about the uh, value of college education, the value of degrees, whether or not you mm -hmm. should even go to college, whether or not you should, maybe you should just go get a trade and things like that. Uh, you know, you used it for yourself. Do you think that getting a college education is the best way to move forward in attaining that next level of wealth? What's your opinion on that? Or you that know, next level of generational wealth as well? Yeah, I, I always thought that, you know, when, when, you, when you talk about education, I think, you know, I, th I talk about, you know, with your, with your, your traditional school, um, whether it's your um, vocational school, you know, learning your skill, learning your trade. I think all those things are okay. I think all those things are, are are really good educational components to to build generational wealth. Now, not everybody can, not everyone will use education to build generational wealth, and I understand that. Like some people have special talents and things that they can do that that will that will make room for them um, as they're building generational wealth. But the way I look at it is, we all have to go through some form of of education, whether it's informal or formal, right? Um, but even doing so. Me personally, like I, I didn't see no, I didn't see any other way to build generational wealth. I didn't see any other way to build capital other than education or other than getting a high paying job to start saving money, to be able to put, you know, to put money in investments accounts. I didn't see any, any other way than that. And I knew that education would get me the job that I wanted to be able to, to be able to climb the, to climb the career ladder that I wanted to be able to get the money that I wanted. And so that education was my way out of doing that. My was my way of actually building that generational wealth. Now, for other people, you know, like I said, it, it might be different, and I think that's okay. However, you build generational wealth that's the right way and 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 where you can sustain it is important. And I think the the biggest thing with that is is just wherever you can build capital is important, and how you build in capital will help you build generational wealth. Me and brothers have a conversation like, man, you don't need education to go to to to, to make money. You you don't, right? We, but again, we don't want to make, be making out here, be, out here be making $20,000, $30,000 and then trying to pinch dollars to try to pay our bills. That won't sustain us. Sustainability is a part of building, gener build a, is a part of building generational wealth. So how can I sustain and grow? Sustain, grow. Um, and so I think education was that, was that for me. And I think for anyone that, was, that, has, uh, that has education or, or, or a gift that they can use to build capital, it's important. How can you sustain that and then how can you grow? Yeah, I feel, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'm definitely, me, uh, everybody, I, I probably said this on the show before, I'm I'm a proponent of education, so I always like to ask that question. I'm like, what are you the policy guy? That makes sense. Right, right, right. Go get an education, yeah. go get a degree, go get another degree if you can. Yeah. But uh, let me ask you this. So you said that, you know, you, you took, in college, you took on like two or three jobs trying to yeah. pay for school. Did you take any loans at all? Or were you able to not, to avoid I that part? I had to take loans. I, I, I couldn't do it. We couldn't get the parent plus loans. We couldn't right. get, and like, and here's the funny part. I'll give you a funny story real quick. Uh, so I'm a first generation college student, right? And so when I went to college, I had a bag of clothes, no laptop, no books. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I needed in college, right? And so that, you know, that first generation is everything. When you're a first generation college student, that comes with a whole lot of struggle. And it's just a whole lot that you don't know, right? But here's the one, here's one of the most important things that I, that I, well, I wouldn't say I regret, but one of the things that I felt like it was, it it was it, it hurt me when it, financially. I didn't know the diff, the difference the difference between a private institution 
in a public institution or a public university or a private university. And so I went to college, I went to a private college instead of a public university. The pricing in itself is far different, but I didn't know that, right? And if I had went to a public institution, I would be debt-free right now. I wouldn't owe, I wouldn't owe any student loans, right? And you, you pay them down, but you know, but I was like, dang, I wasted so much money going to a private school. Didn't know I was going to a private school until the first semester. So I signed my, signed my loan paperwork, all those things. Um, and so I, I'm a, I'm a big component um, in that too. You also went to a private institution, which is yeah. more expensive. And so but I think that's, there's a gem in that because people don't understand the differences between the tiers in, in, in uh, education, right? So you got mm -hmm. private institutions, you have public institutions. Sometimes the public institutions are cheaper, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So you can, you can do it that way. And then obviously you can get loans, you can get grants. There's other ways of funding college and things like yeah. that. Which we don't yeah, talk about enough, I think. We don't, we don't. And I didn't and I I thought because I was going like to play football and this was this was the same thing as me going to a public institution. If I had known that man, I would have went to in state school, public, and then I wouldn't owe anything in loans. Because I paid a lot of money just to just to stay in school. But I couldn't transfer because your credits don't transfer with you, you know? And so now after I got, when I got my master's, I got my master's for $4,000 and I did it within six months. Um, and cause I don't, you know, you can't get me like a sucker. You can't get me twice. <laughs> you can't get me twice. And I went to a public institution as well. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this in six months and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pay y'all all the front right now, right here, right now. And I'm gonna get my degree and we're gonna be, and we're gonna be move on. You know, the benefit, my investment, I think in my master's was, was a smart investment as opposed to my investment in my my bachelor's, which was not a great investment at the time. Well, it was still a, I, I just pointed it, it was still a great return on investment because what are you doing with it now? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. I always, uh, what I try to tell folks is that, look, you take out a loan, okay, that's an investment in yourself. Basically, that's society saying, hey, you want to take this money to invest in yourself? Now you can invest in yourself or not. That's mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The return is going to be what you make it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it, it's been, a, it, you know, having, having a degree and, and, you know, lifting myself up, I'm lifting myself up by my, by my own bootstraps through education has been, has been through, you know, that, that, you know, due diligence of completing my bachelor's, but I wish I didn't pay so much. <laughs> Don't we all, <laughs> but, but you know, and that's the point, like, but my children will never, they will never, 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 yeah, they will never make that mistake. Right? Yeah, you know? now you're in a better position. Now you know the knowledge, so you can yeah. pass it down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pass that knowledge down. I and mean, make sure they don't go to a private institution, unless <laughs> unless you know they absolutely have to. Then you know if it's an investment, we'll talk about you know the risk and all that. But I will make sure my children will know the implications of the decision they're making around choosing the right college. Yeah, well, there's a, I was shoot, there was, I, I'm not gonna take this that that direction, but there's an extended conversation we could have about choosing the right college. Maybe mm -hmm. that'll be a subject of a different of a different episode of this show. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I could oh man, because the college I went to probably I I chose it. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I think I chose the wrong college. But in hindsight, I don't regret it. But like, I wish I would done something different in that moment. Um, with that decision, but we, we can definitely, we can, oh man, I can tell you some stories. There's, yeah. There's an extended conversation to have yeah. about that. So you say you work with, uh, uh, youth, you're, you, you're in youth development. Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I primarily work with young people who are transitioning out of foster care, um, who have no place to go, who have the, the they don't have, you know, basically, you know, before title E, I think it's called title E4, or I forgot, I forgot what you call it, but before the law or this extended funding. 
you know, young people were leaving foster care at 18 with just to homelessness, being pregnant, or being in jail. The states got it together and the government got it together and, and, and they offered this extended uh, living program, which allows them to live in an apartment, uh, to, you know, gain financial literacy, gain, you know, healthy living skills so they can transition into adulthood safely or uh, more securely. And then also working, also working with youth who are at risk or uh, high-risk youth who are involved in gang violence um, and going to help them put the gun down, man. On a community basis, um, since you're also working with youth, do you have strategies to kind of initiate those conversations or those tough conversations with the community? Is that something you've thought about? Is that something that's in your book? Yeah. And I think, so we live in, like, we live in a world today where, right, it's, you know, whether it's left versus right, uh, right versus, you know, wrong or conservative versus liberal, you know, we live in only, we live in this world, right? And, and you know, I think that's, that's, that's where we live in. I, I think what, what I talk about in the book is as well as like me personally, I'm about making my community better. You know, I'm about trying to figure out ways to to leave my impact on the next generation. And so, when, you know, my biggest thing, especially in the book and especially as in pushing the generations forward, I want us to find ways where we can leave this world, leave this community, leave the United States, to leave where we are in a better place than what we, where we started. And I, and I talk about like, let's adapt the mentality of pushing the generations forward so that our children, our children's children can benefit from that. And how do we do that? Well, we start with having a conversation about how can we change what we're seeing right here, right now for the betterment of our young of our young people. And I think it's, it's all about that community conversation, but it's also about forgiveness, forgiving those who hurt you and forgiving yourself for the time that you hurt yourself. Right. And then moving on to what can I learn financial literacy? Uh, what can I learn to make the next decisions better for me to make my next decisions better? Right. How can I make more informed decisions so that I can make sure that I'm putting the generation to come in the best, in the, in the best position. And so it's, it's all, it's mainly just a talk, but it's mainly just understanding relationships around that. But I mean, it's about having a conversation about like, how can I do what's better for the next generation? And if we start that, if we start there as a base, we can go into some stuff. We can go into mental health. We can go into financial literacy. We can go into trauma. We can go into generational curses, right? But we need that base. How early do you think that children need to be thinking about their future and uh, their role in society, especially, uh, you know, concerning things like financial literacy and those kind of things? It's crazy because I think you can uh, you can do this. Our young people should be learning about this as, as, as soon as they can communicate, right? As soon as they can start telling you yes, no, let's say our, our IRA, let's say savings, let's say investing, all those things in the same sentence. Because I think our young people can learn multiple languages at five and six years old. So why can't they learn financial literacy, right? You can go on Amazon right now, purchase financial literacy flashcards for, for, for kids five and up. We know why we, we're not seeing this in the community a lot, because mostly because our parents don't understand financial literacy. If we can start bringing it in early, start my niece, she knows what IRA is. She knows what investing is. She knows what she knows what savings is. She knows that if she can if she can allow her money to make money for herself, she knows all those things. And she can she's got me many times and many ways of doing so. Um, but you know, and she has learned and developed the concept uh, of saving money and investing money, so that when she gets older and when she hears it in in school or when she hears it on the news or when she hears it on social media or Facebook or wherever she hears it, she can, she recognizes it and she understands it. She won't think it's a foreign language. And so I think 
to answer the question, I think it's it's all about we want to get them financial literacy as soon as they can um, talk, communicate. Because again, we want to continue giving them tools to be able to lift themselves up by their own bootstrap. And part of the way of doing that is understanding what you know how how we can build capital, how we can build generational wealth, and 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 that starts with understanding the language which our kids can do. You know, and I think also too, you know, Dr. King talked about, I, I always, I'm talking about this in the book as well. He talks about like the tools that, you know, we need to lift our own self, our, our own selves up by our own bootstrap. And I think that's how we do it. Financial, our wealth is how we do it. Um, I, I think black wealth is important. I think when you think about black wealth, we if we can come together and, and start to develop that mindset that we want to develop black wealth within our black communities, oh man, we're powerful. We then we give ourselves the boots to be able to do what we need to do to change our communities, and that's the mindset we gotta have because we can change our communities. I mean, it's just true. Like, I think I think people undersell themselves. Like, yeah, you know, some of the, some of the work I do is like organizational cultural change, and so that also to me that also relates to community cultural change. And one of the things that I'm always talking to people about is 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 how they're underselling their own contribution to the culture. It's like. Okay, yeah, the culture was here before you got here, but you as a person, especially us living in a democracy, you can change the culture just by changing how you respond, by changing how you interact with other people and helping other people to realize, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, it could be a different way. Yeah. You got to imagine that it's a different way. You have to, again, as you've been saying, have those difficult conversations. Look yourself in the face and say, well, wait a minute, what am I doing to contribute to the way it is now? And what can I do to change to make it a different way or a way that I want it to be? So no, yeah. that, that that's a that's an excellent point, man. Yeah. As community at times, and just when you think about organization, when you think about individuals who are trying to make a change, right? A lot of times it's our own self. Like it's we're in our own way. Because like when you think about transition framework, and I'm sure you appreciate this, you, you you know, you have the stage one, which is the letting go RIP and jumping into the new phase of working and then the new beginnings. But a lot of times the stage one of, of getting folks to to get on board with the change and transition is their own egos. It's I gotta let this go so that I can think so I can think about this differently. And but a lot of times we don't want to do that. We this this is okay. Like this is enough. I don't want to change. And, and and we miss that sometimes. I think when you think about I I agree. And I think that when you think about changing as a community, there has to be some RIPs in the way we used to do things. And the way we we used to accept things. We don't accept that anymore. We don't accept, you know, living paycheck to paycheck anymore. You know, we we don't accept having a GoFundMe for, for my funeral. We don't accept those things. Like, and, 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 and that's how we get into the new phase of thinking about black wealth, in my opinion. All right, get the book. Get the book, y'all. Get the book. I promise you. Where, where can we get it? What's the name of it? Where can we get it? Yeah. So it's, it's, the book is called Pushing the Generations Forward. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on barnesandnoble.com. Uh, you can get it on walmart.com, target.com, all the places. You can really just Google it and you can you can find it. Um, or you can go to my website at pushingthegenerationsforward.com, and, and that's pushingthegenerationsforward.com. I, I appreciate that assist, Kalali, no doubt. You, no know doubt. How, you know how we do. This is a team effort over here. Yeah, man, definitely. So, hey, uh, Kwame Paris, before we let you go, is there anything that we didn't ask you, didn't discuss, that you wanted to make mention of on Black Men Sundays before I let you go? No, man, I, I just want to say, man, please continue having, keep having this conversation. I'm a fan. 
um you know especially on the sundays uh, we can get into like all that but I, re- I really appreciate what you guys are doing man just you know keep keep going like, I'm, I'm i'm a listener I'm a, I'm a viewer now for sure and um empowering folks through wealth is important man and you know i had i brought it, i brought it up in the book and i'm glad that we get a chance to have this conversation so please make sure y'all go check out the book man and, and let me know what you think definitely we're gonna do that and my final question that i ask all of our guests did you enjoy your time on black men sundays Man, we y'all gonna invite me back? That's that's the question. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great time. It's a great time, man. This conversation is real. And you said you said it's gonna be conversation based, and it definitely was. I feel like I feel like we were just having conversation, man. Yeah, man. That like the guest last week said that barbershop real talk, and that's what we do on here. We're trying to spread the word. So, brothers, you know all the excuses of oh, I didn't know, I didn't know. You know now. You have something to listen to. I mean, we're mm-hmm. on season two right now. So I yeah. appreciate you, uh, Kwame and Harris, for coming on Black Men Sundays. I'm glad you enjoyed your experience. Uh, and we'll probably have you back in the near future. So with that said, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, brother. All right, man. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate y'all. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. i